But we're going to be in uh, Mark chapter 4, the verse, first 20 verses. This is a passage of scripture that a lot of it's reviewed and not a lot of it's stuff you heard, a lot of it's stuff that we just need to be reminded of. <clears throat> but there's some things I'm, I, I, I doubt you probably heard that I think are just cool to give this story more breath and more life. And so if we start in verse 1 in Mark chapter 4, I mean in the Passion Translation, once again, how many of you know this? This is the parable of the farmer sowing seed. Okay? I, I bet y'all have heard a million sermons on this, haven't you? Okay? Let's, let's, let's hear a, a million and one. Once again, Jesus went to teach the people on the shore of the Lake of Galilee, and a massive crowd surrounded him. The crowd was so huge that he had to get into a boat and teach the people from there. He taught them many things using parables to illustrate spiritual truths. I like it when Jesus does this. <clears throat> I'm, a, I'm a visual guy. I'm an illustration guy. And, and for the, to paint pictures even, you know, physically uh, with the illustration or to paint pictures in my mind, I like to see Jesus do this because it gives me permission to do this. And uh, I, I know at school the other day, uh, no, it was my daughter who was visiting college, and they were, she was talking to another kid who's from Ohio, and her dad's a preacher, and they were like, hey, my dad did a really cool uh, sermon illustration. He had like a ladder in church, and, my, and, and like she was like, <laughs> my dad brought a goat to church, you know? And so, anyway, I, I, how many of you remember the goat sermon? <laughs> Two of you. We should do it again. All right, Mark, where you at? All right, so, uh, but I like illustration. I, I like to paint pictures in people's minds. This is like why when I teach or preach, I, I like to teach a, a system, a timeline, or a, or, or a passage of scripture and paint the picture of what's going on, okay? So here we are. Jesus is in a boat, and he's teaching, and he's painting this picture of a farmer. Now, I just want to stop right here and tell you that as many times as I hear this sermon preached, I always think the farmer is Jesus. Now, you probably didn't, because you're probably smarter than me. But I always think the farmer is Jesus who is sowing the word. Now, I don't think it's Jesus. I don't think it's God. I don't think it's the Father. The reason is, is because it's I grew up in a small town in North Arkansas, farmland all around me. Uh, farming, all aspects of it, including soil maintenance and seed sowing, is the responsibility of the farmer. Go with me. Harvesting is the responsibility of the farmer, okay? So the farmer sows the seed. And, and it's, this, is, this is a mindset that's consistent with he gave seed to the, who's the sower? We are. You are. Okay? And so here is this farmer who went out to sow seeds. This, everybody say, this is my seed. I'm the farmer. Okay? So here we are. As he cast his seed, some of it fell along the beaten path. And soon the birds came and ate it. Other seeds fell onto gravel Rocky ground, stony ground, with no topsoil, and the seeds quickly sprouted since the soil had no depth. When the dates grew hot, the sprouts were scorched and withered because they had insufficient roots. Other seeds fell among thorns, so when the seeds sprouted, so did the thorns, crowding out the young plants so that they could produce no grain. 
But some seed fell onto good, rich soil that kept producing a good harvest, some 30, some 60, some even 100 times as much as was planted. If you understand this, you need to respond. If you didn't say amen, just fake it for a second. Okay? If you understand this, you need to respond. Therein lies Chester Passmore's permission to ask for an amen. Boy, I'm happy now because I've been, my, my, my lunch has been eaten on that one subject. And I'm just telling you, if Jesus can't, never mind. And if I was you, about like, Jesus could walk on water, you do it, big boy, right? Okay, whatever. Okay, so if you understand this, you need to respond. Afterwards, Jesus and his disciples and those close to him remained behind to ask Jesus about these parables. Jesus, what's up with these stories? He says to them, the privilege of intimately knowing the mysteries of God's kingdom realm has been granted to you, not to others. And everything is revealed in parables. For when they see, he's quoting now, Old Testament prophecy, for when they see what I do, well, they will not understand, and when they hear what I say, they will learn nothing. Otherwise, they would repent and be forgiven. That's called a response. Are y'all out there? Then he said to them, if you don't understand this parable, how will you understand any parable? Let me explain. He's going to explain to us the parable. Those who had been given the opportunity to understand his mystery, he's going to explain it for us. <clears throat> I think this is cool because even if he tried to explain it to the Pharisee that day, they couldn't hear it. And what's cool about that, not that it's cool, but what's true about that is the reason they couldn't hear it is found in the parable. Anybody ever tried talking to somebody? And again, stop before we move any further. This parable is not simply about salvation. This parable is about any word that God gives to you, and or better to say, this parable is about any word that you decide as a farmer to sow into your life. <laughs> it's the responsibility of the farmer to go get what seed he once planted. I mean, if you understand, respond. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm just quoting the Bible. That's all I'm doing. All right. So my point, though, is, is, is uh, here's the thing. The farmer owns the land, right? He owns the land. He works the land. Uh, he harvests the land. But he is insufficient in himself to produce a seed. 
He can plant a seed. He can reap the harvest off of a seed, but a seed must be given to him because he's not a creator of life, and he cannot out of the thin air pull out and create a seed. It's the Word of God, the seed, that he is insufficient to plant, but the the, the seed maker gives the sower the seed. So something other natural, it's not in his ability, in his natural ability to come up with this. He has to go get a word, a seed from God. And he got to plant it in the soil of his life with the express intent purpose of it bearing fruit in him. Now, how many of us would, if I took a big board up here, and, and I'm talking about Chester Passmore, a big white board, and I put it all across this room, how many of, how, how ashamed would I be to make two columns, and on one side of the column, write down every word God's ever given to me that has produced fruit, and every word over here that God has given to me that has not produced fruit. There was a deacon in the first church I ever pastored, and and he was talking about the fact that um, when he gets to heaven, he's got a goal that his his pile of money, through giving to the kingdom of God, would outgrow his pile of money that he wasted on the kingdom of man. This guy was an alcoholic. This guy had, and he 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 specifically targeted alcohol. And he said, if it, I, "When I get to heaven, I need to be able to have spent more money in the kingdom of God than I've spent on alcohol." And he says, "You have no idea how much money I've wasted." And so the, the, the point is true. It's the same kind of thing. Is if, if there is a comparison tonight of our hearts of what seed has been planted inside of us that has borne fruit versus what seed we had been planted in my life that has not borne fruit. How many secret places with God have I gone and to come out with the seed that I put in my heart but is yet to, to, uh, to produce fruit? I mean, about every time we go into the presence of God, he speaks. It's seed. One of the biggest failures of the body of Christ that we have is poor stewardship over the word of God in our life. Are y'all out there? Okay? And when God speaks to me, it is not only my responsibility to receive the word. Oh, man, I've got to work the ground because that thing needs to bear fruit. See, the seed is not the end goal the apple from that seed is the end goal. And in that apple is seeds that will produce, and that's how it turns into the 30, 60, 100. It is a a multiplying entity of seed if it's fruitful. But we love consumerism Christianity to hear good preaching, to find a gotcha moment in our Bible and stop there. And every Sunday we hear another sermon, every shift life session we hear another teaching, every shift we hear another teaching, and we walk out and do we put that word to work to bear fruit in our life? Are y'all, are y'all out there? So let's talk about this process. Verse, uh, <clears throat> where am I at? Verse 14. The farmer sows word, 
I love what the I love what the the Passion Translation just comes out and says it's the capital W word. It's a seed you could not produce yourself. Amen. The word as seed. Let's go on to verse 15. And what falls on the beaten path. Everybody say beaten path. Represents those who hear the word and immediately Satan appears and snatches it from their heart. The birds of the air. Remember this scripture where I think if I'm not mistaken, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm probably going to butcher this, so if I'm wrong, y'all just forgive me. But I think there's this, this, uh, this passage. It may be when he curses the fig tree, and he talks about this fact that the birds would have no place to nest. In an unfruitful tree, he cursed it. I think this is somewhere else, but he talked about the birds would have no place to nest because in this parable, the bird represents whom? Satan who comes to steal the seed. And the birds having no place to nest is a good thing because there's no place for the enemy to occupy territory where that tree, that, 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 that fruitfulness of the seed exists. And so here we are. The word falls on the beaten path, represents those who hear the word, and immediately Satan appears and snatches it from their hearts. Everybody say beaten path one more time. Let's, go, let's just stay there for a second. The beaten path is the beginning of our walk. The beaten path is the beginning of our walk. It's funny that I like this translation of beaten path because it is in line with the concept of many are those who walk a wide road that is trampled, man. Everybody's walking that road. It's beaten down. It's a beaten path. And everybody walks it because it's easy. But few are those who will walk the narrow road. Why? Because it's a little bit difficult to traverse. It's different to walk the narrow road than it is the wide road. Now, hear me. Hear me right now. I just, I just want to preach for a second. And so, and so, um, and so, God, you have this seed, you have it from the Word, and it's a dream in your heart to do something. I'm not talking about your salvation. I'm talking about God puts a dream in your heart to fulfill something. And I know that there's a Word that's been going on for a long time, and I still hear it being uh, 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 used today, like Steve and I were talking about yesterday. It's, it's this concept of being pioneers in the kingdom of God, to do something that isn't being done by people, to pioneer, a new, to, to blaze a new trail. How will I ever take a dream from God, a word from God, and blaze a new trail if I'm walking on a beaten path? You hear what I'm saying? How I ever take a dream in my heart, a word from God, and walk the beaten path and see it come to pass? I won't because there's the devil, there's a bird there waiting to snatch up that dream. The dream thief sits on the beaten path. But if you've got a word from God to do something, you've got to understand you're going to have to walk a different road than somebody else took to get there. Y'all see what I'm saying? If you try to do the same thing everybody else has done to get to the fulfillment of your dream, you will not make it. It will get stolen from you. You're going to have to pay a price, and you're going to have to walk a narrow road. The pioneer walks through a road, and he blazes his own trail. It's like the man who sits behind the plow and plows up 
a role that is not road yet. You see what I'm saying? He's got to do the work to create a path for that seed to grow. But if I settle for the easy road, if I settle for the beaten path, if I settle for the road everybody else is taking, I'm not going to see the word that was planted in me come to pass. Because the beaten path is where the enemy walks. He walks like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So everybody's going to tell you, conventional wisdom says don't walk that way. But godly wisdom says, walk that way! <laughs> no? That, that was great. Okay. <laughs> oh, that was... How can you be so holy one second and so not? Okay, so, okay, all right, where am I at? So let's just stop there. Let's move on, okay. Now, what falls on, okay, the seed sown on gravel, oh my goodness, the seed sown on gravel represents those who hear the word and receive it joyfully. Now, how many of y'all grew up in South Arkansas? Okay, praise God. I grew up in North Arkansas. North Arkansas, literally the county that my grandfather homesteaded in and was raising is called Stone County because it's rocky. If you want to be a millionaire and live in Stone County, own a lawnmower repair business because you mow rocks. I can remember as a young boy, oh, this is good. I can remember as a young boy, the hardest job, the job that taught me the most about life, the job that taught me to do better in school and to go get an, uh, uh, go get an education. And, 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 and the job was to assist a farmer in the middle of August in, the, in a wide open field, picking up rocks out of his field. All day I did this, too dumb to take water with me. I walked into a gas station at lunch, walked to the back of the store, threw open a cooler, downed two of the biggest Gatorades as fast as I could right now, and thought I was going to die from, first of all, heat stroke, and second of all, thirst stroke. Quenching the stroke. <laughs> and, and I threw, I literally threw one on the ground, picked another one. It's a good thing my mom was the cashier at that gas station. Hardest work I think I've almost ever done, following a trailer on a tractor, bending over, picking up rocks, throwing it on there, picking it over, picking it did this for eight hours in the heat of an August day. Why? Why? To prepare soil. But see, man, I want the easy gospel. Come to Jesus. He makes everything better. He'll make your life better from day one. You never have to do anything. He's just going to make it better. Comfort, peace, the definition of peace that means no work, the definition of joy that means no work, the definition of prosperity that means no work. But what you really got to do is in your immaturity, you've, you've received that seed. Is you in your, in your boyhood state, you got to pick up rocks out of your field. You got to go to work. Y'all with me? 
you got to prepare the soil because if I don't prepare the soil, that seed is only going to root so deep. And that August sun, it'll burn it up. And I may have planted a seed. See, the first seed never made it in the ground. I may have planted a seed, but the goal wasn't to have a seed planted. The goal was to have a seed produce fruit. So I may hear a dream. God may give me a word about something. I'm not talking about your salvation. And, and, and it to, you're, you're all about the word that God's given you up until it costs you hard work, up until it costs you the, the, the uh, necessity of picking up rocks out of your field. Are y'all okay out there? Praise God. Okay, so we're moving right along. The gravel in the, who, and because their hearts, everybody say hearts, fail to sink a deep root in the word, they do not endure for long. There is no, uh, uh, faith is not an amount, faith is a perseverance. Uh, faith, uh, the size of a mustard seed, is obviously not the, the revelation of how big the seed is. You see what I'm saying? Because you can have just a little bit of faith. So it's not faith in I have a large quantity of faith. is I have a persevering faith that is able to walk through the hard times to pick up rocks out of my field. Okay? And so they don't endure for long when trouble, when trouble comes. You see what I'm saying? And by the way, in this world you will have tribulation. Oh, by the way, blessed are you when they persecute you. Uh, rejoice. But see, how do we fail there? Because we have been picked up some stones out of our heart. And I fail at trouble and I fail at persecution because this, the root hasn't gone deep. I'm not talking about our salvation. I'm talking about whatever that word was he gave you. Whatever that word you farmer sowed into your life. Well, God, I want to. I feel like you're speaking to me to do this. And you start doing that, somebody comes against you, or you run into some trouble. You're out there. When trouble and persecution comes on account of, why does the trouble and persecution comes on the account of the very thing you're contending for? Jim, where are you? At? Jim's up there. Jim's up there. Uh, computering. Jim. It's, God is speaking to Jim. The word, the seed is kindness. <laughs> Trouble's coming. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Trouble's coming. And guess what? The kind of trouble that's coming, the kind of persecution that's coming, is not persecution and trouble about whatever over here. Oh, it's directed toward a specific seed called kindness. So you're believing for your marriage. You got a word from God about your marriage. Guess what? Y'all out there. You got, a, you, hey, you got a word from heaven about your sobriety. Guess what's coming to specifically test that word about your sobriety? But because you did not prepare your ground, because you did not do the hard work to remove the stones, when that testing comes for that specific thing, the root is shallow and the sun scorches it. And you may have planted a seed, but you did not produce fruit. Okay? For when trouble or persecution comes on account of the word, they immediately wilt and fall away. Let's go to the next one. Keep on rolling with me, computer man. That's very kind of you. Okay. 
The seed sown among thorns. This was another thing. What you will often find in stony ground is thorny ground. Remember as a young boy hunting in Stone County, Fulton County, and I can remember sitting under thorn bushes because it camouflaged me well. It was a pain to get in there and it was a pain to get out. But where you find stony ground, you find thorny ground. Because, y'all with me? Okay? And so the seed sown among the thorns represents those who hear the word, those who have planted a seed, but they allow the cares of this life and the seduction of wealth and the desires for other things to crowd out and choke the word so that it produces nothing. Now, it's got to go deeper because, see, the thorns don't grow right there on the ground. They grow into, literally, thorn bushes grow into small thorn trees. This is how we can can pull off a branch of a thorn tree and weave it into a crown. Okay? And so they grow into small little bush trees. Okay? And so there, this is a seed that's gone deeper, but after some point, man, I'm telling you, an experience, and initially the youth pastor came out of me, and I, and I got on fire with God, with God and the Holy Ghost when I was a teenager, and man, I was on fire and I was going after God and I was pursuing Him, and, and I had this, this, this going in my life. But the older I got and the more this world cares, this eternity outgrew that eternity in my life and the pressure and the things of this world begin to thorn poke at my dreams poke at the things he said to me in my youth they begin to poke at those things and it smothered it out and it finally faded away and so what happened is I have a deep-seated word that never come to full fruitfulness in my life because of thorns because of cares of an uneternal dimension you with me okay good now, I'm going to get to more of this in just a second. Let's, let's just finish the, the good part. Good news. Verse 20. The seed sown on good soil. What is good soil? Craziest prayer you ever prayed. Lord, make me good soil. It is my responsibility to manage my soil. If we're going to say the farmer is responsible for sowing, we have to say the farmer is responsible for soil management. And I didn't even got to the pray for laborers of the harvest. Is it Yahweh's job to bring in the harvest? He's actually given that work to the sons of God. Harvesters. Men who sowed the right seed, tilled the ground, and, 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 and harvested the fruit. You see what I'm saying? He gives me grace. He gives me, what is grace? Empowering ability to do the work. He gives me an anointing, anointing that breaks the yoke so I can do the work. But it's my responsibility to manage my soil. And if I manage my soil well, if the seed sown on good soil represents those who, those who open their hearts to receive the word and their lives bear good seeding, their lives bear good fruit, fruit, become more fruit conscious than seed conscious in your life. That was a good one. 
become more fruit conscious than seed conscious in their life. Okay? Some yield a harvest of fruit that's 30, 60, even 100 times more than was sown. Here's some things I want to point out, and then we're going to go home. The beaten path, the first example, is our walk. The moment our walk begins, if we don't take, whether it's salvation, listen, whether it's salvation whether it's something God's dealing with in our lives and he gives us a word about it, right? Whether it's I'm reading my scripture and I find something and I begin to walk that thing out. Jim Parrish begins the walk of kindness. Give careful attention then how you walk, the scripture says. Because it's important about what road you walk down in your pursuit of fruitfulness of that seed. So it represents our walk. It's our feet. It's where, it's where I put the sole of my feet. It's where I, uh, 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 the word lamps, the light of the word it illuminates my path. And so in order to walk the pathway of kindness, I have to continue in the word on kindness because it's going to show me where to step. But if I take the same approach that the world is taking to kindness, then I will quickly have that word snatched up by the enemy. I have to walk a certain path about that word kindness in my heart. And the path is illuminated by the light of his word. So the seed is the word and the pathway is illuminated by the word. If you're not reading your Bible, you are screwed. Can you say that? I did. I'm telling you, if you're not in your word, you are killing your harvest. I mean, you're killing the fruit. You are literally taking, and the seed's never even getting, if you're not in your word, you cannot produce fruit in your life. And you can tell me day after day how good of a Christian you're trying to be, but I'll show you where your life is fruitless if you're not in the word. Calm down, Chester. Okay, where are we at? Next, next, so that's my feet. Next. Stony ground, even the scripture says, go to verse, uh, I don't know, let's try with 16, 16, uh, 16, I think. Represents those who hear the word and receive it joyfully, um, maybe 15, because they're, no, 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 you got, no, 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 17, that's good. Because they're, everybody say it with me. What does the word say about hearts? That they become hearts of Stone versus hearts of flesh. Our hearts become hard. And if we are not picking up the hard heart, places of our heart, and we're putting them in that wagon to be carried off, if we're not dealing with the hard-heartedness of our hearts, we will see no fruit in our life. Are y'all out there? Stony ground is the heart. 
The heart of stone versus the heart of flesh. It is absolutely important to know where I place my foot. It's absolutely important to know where I step. And it's absolutely important to cultivate the soil of my heart that I continually, I mean, I mean, I want all the rocks out. Another rock formed, get it out. Another rock comes to the surface. I'm telling you, I, I could pick up rocks in a field for a year and go back the next year and what's there? Because they're continually, things in the heart of the earth are continually coming to the surface. And I'm telling you, as long as I, if I ignore those things that are coming to the surface and do not deal with them and do not pick up the rocks, I will have a field that will yield no harvest. So I got to deal with my heart. Because trouble is coming. And number three. I've dealt with my feet, I've dealt with my heart, and let's go higher. My head. Thorns in my head. <laughs> now some of y'all already jumped to my conclusion. Just hang on. Thorns in my head. Poking my thoughts. See, I don't have cares in my feet. Let's read it. Verse 19, allow the cares stop of this life. I don't have cares in my feet. I don't have cares in my heart. I have cares and anxiety and thoughts of, 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 of worldly gain right here in my head. In my head. You hear me? They allow the thoughts, the imagination of, man, what is it? If a man gains the whole world, but forfeits his own soul, the imagination of, this is why when Jesus was tempted, he showed him everything to get inside his head. You right? Now, <laughs> Jesus is brought into Jerusalem. He has his last Passover. I'm not going to teach my last class. Has his last Passover meal. Goes to the garden, is betrayed. From there, he is taken to the Sanhedrin, and he's falsely tried. From there, he is taken to the Roman court, falsely tried, and convicted of death. Convicted not of death, convicted to death by way of crucifixion. <laughs> The final picture we see before he passes away is Jesus who walked a path. If you've ever been to Israel, the Catholic tradition says it's the Via Della Rosa. It's the, the path that Christ took. He walked a hard path. 
led by the word of heaven to be the Lamb of God that was sacrificed for the sin of all mankind. And that word in his heart put him on a path. And on that path, it was hard. And on that path, he stumbled. And on that path, a man named Simon had to help him a little bit. I mean, I got my prayer. On that path, he is carrying a burden that seems like it's going to crush him, but he continues to walk the path. When he gets to the stony ground, <laughs> y'all don't know, on a hill, Side. I mean, it was the up on the hill, which is at the base. I, if you have been to Israel twice, let, let me tell you, it's stony ground. It was a desert of stone. It, it, and on that stony ground, he's put on a cross and he's, he's lifted up and he's placed into the heart of the earth. He's literally stuck in the earth. Are y'all there? And we see him, we see him having walked the path. And now he's at the stony ground. And now we look up and he got the crown, but he's wearing a crown of thorns on his head. They actually have, think they've determined the plant that that crown of thorns was. Some call it, uh, let's see what's it. Common names, the crown of thorns plant, the Christ plant, the Christ thorn, the corona de Cristo. Despite its somewhat off-putting name, the crown of thorns bush, tree, that goes into tree, is a succulent, beautiful plant that can bloom almost year-round, even indoors. Although the crown of thorns can grow into a woody shrub, a woody tree shrub, it's also an ideal house plant for most homes. Hmm. It's like the same, it likes the same room temperature that people enjoy. It can handle the lack of humidity prevalent in most homes during winter. The name crown of thorns, hear what I'm saying? The name crown of thorns is derived from the belief that the crown of thorns worn by Jesus Christ at his crucifixion was made from the stems of this plant. Caution. This is, I'm, I'm getting this from a garden website. I'm not getting this from uh, the Bible.com. This is called the spruce.com. This is a garden website. Caution. Besides the sharp black thorns on its main branches and stems, the sticky latex sap from the broken leaves and stems can be a skin and eye irritant if ingested, if put inside of you, all parts of the plant are toxic to humans and pets. It's not the first time we understood that thorns carry poison. And I'm telling you that Jesus took thorns of poison in his thought life and he crucified it on the cross. <laughs> I'm telling you, he walked a path. He demonstrated every area of this parable. He walked a path that was difficult. He produced a seed in, in, in the midst of the stony ground, stony ground in his heart. He won the heart of the mankind. And in his thought life, he... Give no thought to where your next meal, to your clothes on your back. Look at the birds. If I can take care of them, I can take care of you. 
Does that mean you're supposed to just lay around and not have a job and just hope birds come and bring you clothes? No, 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 no. But what it does mean is that if you live your life, believer, consumed by the cares of a non-eternal realm, then you will absolutely forfeit eternal seed and dream and destiny. Jesus walked his feet. Jesus' heart he did away with the stone. As a matter of fact, his death was so powerful that the earthquake came and cracked that stone. The power to break the hard heart. And he took in his mind and redeemed our thoughts. Are you there? Are you there? And if we can do as Jesus did, if we can watch our path and walk it no matter how hard it is, if we can care for the stony ground of our heart, if I can say, God, I will not allow the rocks inside of my heart. And again, what you deal with today doesn't mean there's nothing I've got to deal with tomorrow. I deal with stuff all the time. Amen? If, if he's given me a word... I mean, I, I'm telling you, there, there's dreams and visions in my, there's dreams and visions inside of me, the, the seed inside of me for Cross Life Church that I'm having to keep the cards close to my chest. And if I allow, if I allow hard-heartedness towards the process, if I get bent out of shape because when I try to talk to somebody, you see what I'm saying? It doesn't go like I think it, you, know, you see what I'm saying? If I allow hard-heartedness, if I get even upset with God and say, God, this is not happening the way you said it was going to happen. See what I'm saying? I've got to give careful attention to where I walk, to the condition of my heart, and I've got to give careful attention that there is not poison from thorns entering into my mind. This is why we must take every thought captive. This is why we must cast down imagination. This is why we must lay our lives on the sacrifice of his altar. On the altar, yeah, whatever, you know. You see what I'm saying? And this right here, everything I preach to you, this is the parable that explains every other parable. This is the one. This is the mystery that we have to get. So whether it's your salvation, it could be something grand. It could be something, it could be something so spectacular, like God's put a, a word in your heart that you're going to do something that could change the planet. You still gotta watch this, you still gotta walk out this process. And you could be something so simple as is so small and seemingly insignificant about a daily habit or a or a word about a, a, a daily discipline in my life that, that doesn't seem like it's is as compared to everybody else's word. Mine seems small, but I look you still gotta walk out that process. All right. And at the end of the day, what you're looking for is, a, is fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, gentleness, kind, kindness. It's a fruit. 
But see, that fruit was planted as a seed, and it had to go through a process. I mean, we, we live in a world, we live in a charismania Christianity where we literally think, I can go to an altar and say, God, give me kindness. Bam, slap some oil on the floor, walk back up, and walk out that door and not have to go through a process, and I'm the kindest thing that ever lived. You see, listen to me. Jesus was offered the same temptation to forego the process and be named as king at the end. Y'all out there? Jesus was offered the same temptation. Forego the process. Let me just call you king. Now. What did Jesus choose? He chose three and a half years of ministry where they tried to kill him. Where I, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Where, uh, y'all see what I'm saying? Where I, I'm hungry, let's multiply this massive amount of two fishes and five loaves. See what I'm saying? Uh, Jesus went through a process of three and a half years of ministry up until the glorification of his Messiah reign where he overthrew Rome and became the king and he took over the whole world. Nope where he got murdered. But in his, unless a seed falls to the ground. Y'all hear what I'm saying to you? Unless a seed falls to the ground and dies. So is the son of man. And he as my seed became fruitful so that I could have fruit in me. But it's the same process. Seven thirty-one. Come down to the front. I'll lay hands on you. And we'll all be perfect. <laughs> hey, I love you. Good night. Have a great evening.